Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kulsik and I'm joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's been a long week. It's been a very and it had and the thing is it hasn't even been like a long full week. It was just a long Wednesday to Friday. Um, oh no, that's but, not good. <laughs> but it's not it's not good. But I, I I get to play Dungeons and Dragons set in Adventure Time tomorrow morning. That's awesome. And then I'm going to an Asian street festival in Seattle on Sunday. Okay. So, so you're, I'll have a good weekend. Sounds yeah. way more exciting than mine does. So I'm going to give you. What is your weekend then? Oh, well, because my weekend. Aside from editing this massively long podcast that we're about to put out. <laughs> well, um, my weekend is Thursday through Saturday because I work all day Sunday. So right. my weekend will be editing this long podcast and getting ready for uh, my students are having recital in a couple weeks. So I've just got a lot of okay. paperwork to do. So lots of photocopying. Ugh. Lots of like putting music in order, lots of emailing. It's going to be a lot of that. So part of my weekend was just watching lots of anime uh, for right. our Make You Watchathon. This is the fifth anniversary of the Televerse, which means it's time for our fifth Make You Watchathon. Um, I made you watch uh, Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race. You made me watch Chiharafuru, which is a two season anime. Um, that's coming at the end of the podcast. It was super fun to, to talk it about was. that. It was a lot of fun. And because that is a length, that's like an hour of the show Ish, yeah yeah um we've, we've got about a half hour for each each half of that um we're gonna keep the rest of the podcast comparatively truncated fingers uh, crossed fingers crossed <laughs> um and so because that we're we're not going to mention a lot up here at the top but there's two things that we should mention first of all after last week um and its cancellations real or imagined uh for shows that celebrate and shine a light on marginalized groups or underserved communities. So with Nightly Show, the, the debacle with um, the potential cancellation of Inside Amy Schumer, which did not actually happen, and I Am Kate, uh, we should mention that Survivor's Remorse got picked up and renewed Yay! for another season. So I won't be talking about it this week because I'm behind. I will hopefully be caught up next week. But there's a new season of Survivor's Remorse coming next year, and I'm very happy about that. Um, and the other thing we should mention is, unfortunately, the passing of Stephen Hill, who everyone will know um, uh, as, as Adam Schiff on Law & Order. So uh, certainly, that I, I think, I want to say he was 94. That sounds correct to me, yeah. And that's, that's... 94 or 84. I think 94, though. Yeah, that that is, you know, that is... I Should we... Uh, Let's let's hope we all make it to ninety four. But um, no kidding. Certainly, um, a, a presence that I was tremendously fond of on Law and Order, and um, for so many years. Right. Yeah. No. He was on there not as long as um. Well, Waterston or um. As Epitha Murkison. Murkison, right? Who had been on there the longest. Mm-hmm. Um. But I constant figure within the syndication, uh, not the syndication, but within the series. And um, just probably the best mm-hmm. of the DAs that the show had until like Waterston took over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but just he very, always very much felt like a put upon, tired New York DA should be, quite frankly. Um, which always rang very true to me in how he decided to depict it and how the writers wrote him, but still very astute um, and pragmatic in what needed to be done, which was necessary to keep sometimes 
uh, Jack McCoy in line because Jack McCoy's <laughs> renegade. Yeah, and he's gonna get gonna get that conviction any way he can, um, and also get his let his politics and Catholicism occasionally get in the way. But um, it it was always a really nice performance, and you and I at the top were just like, "Can you think of anything else he's been in?" And we both went, "Nope, it's Law and Order." <laughs> That's our <laughs> he's main been association. In other th- yeah. He's been in other things, we're both sure, but it's we just know this man from Law and Order because we've watched a shit ton of Law and Order. <laughs> well, and we just remember the show and the character so fondly. Yeah. And it is one of those figures that is just a weekly pre- presence. Or depending, you know, there, I think we've all had a Memorial Day, Labor Day marathon binge of Law and Order. Like perhaps a daily or presence. Or a Tuesday marathon you know. of Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In, in our TV watching lives. So... Uh, to, so R.I.P. to Stephen Hill. Um, but now uh, we are going to to transition into a comparatively full weekend TV. There's still there's a few uh, shows that that I'm behind on certainly that I would have liked to check in on. Still haven't finished the the A word. Still haven't checked in because uh, I know. Carl, I know that you want us to watch The Detectorists. I still haven't been able to, to to carve out time for it. But there are a number of premieres this week and memorable episodes. So we got a, lo- a full week in TV for us, at least, coming. So we should take a break and listen to <gasps> Just a Thought and come back. We're going to come back with our week in genre and reality. So we'll be right back after this. Something I did that failed to be charming Things that I said are suddenly swarming And oh, I'm losing sight I'm losing touch All these little things seem to matter so much That they confuse me They are my lose me Take a moment, remind yourself to Take a moment and find yourself Take a moment and ask yourself If this is how we fall apart But it's not, but it's not, but it's not, but it's not, but it's not It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay I've got nothing, got nothing, got nothing, got nothing to fear I'm here, I'm here this week in genre and reality, Noel's going to talk a bit about the, uh, I guess, mid-season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, Grotesque. I think, yeah, mid-season. I yeah. Think. yeah. I don't know. It doesn't then, matter. <laughs> yeah. Then I, I hopped over to the UK to watch a little Great British Bake Off <clears throat> <clears throat> cake, <clears throat> uh, the, the season premiere. And then we'll both talk the uh, season premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, season two. Uh, and uh, then we'll we'll round things out with Steven Universe Mindful Education, um, from which, of course, just a thought, uh, performed by Estelle and A.G. Michalka, um, which you just heard, was, was drawn. But first up is Fear the Walking Dead, Grotesque. And Noel, I didn't watch this on Sunday um, because I didn't, I just assumed we weren't going to be watching it after our lukewarm reception to both Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead this season. Uh, but you did. Check it out. I did. So I did. So what did you think? Um, well, so it's a, it's a, it was for me an interesting episode. Um, the entire episode is just Nick wandering through Mexico. That's, 
okay. the entire episode. There's three um, flashbacks to Nick's life getting out of a rehab um, program, um, which is the only time we see any other members of the cast in the episode. But it's basically just Nick trying to survive walking in Mexico after he left Travis to go on his walkabout to find a place where the dead are accepted, where the dead aren't monsters. Um, and it's very much basically the writers going, right, so the one thing that everyone likes about this show is Nick and Frank Delane's performance, both of which are, whether or not you like Nick, I think we can agree that Delane's performance of Nick is pretty solid and one of the better highlights of the episode of the show overall in a lot of cases at least for me anyway so i i enjoyed a lot of this but it felt very much like the writers going all right this is our breakout character and actor so we're going to give him this emmy emmy episode basically to submit um and it's good it's it's interesting it's virtually silent for large parts of the episode where it's just him walking around you'll hear zombie growls and everything but him surviving and everything and he ends up getting picked up and delivered to a gated, isolated community in Tijuana that's a bunch of survivors. What could possibly go wrong? I bet everything. <laughs> um, but that was the thing. It's just like, my question, the entire reason I'm even talking about this is whether or not The Walking Dead itself has done these sort of one character, one, one episode kind of on their own type of thing. And... The, what you feel like the dramatic merits of this are, and if it if it is something that they've done before, and I, even within my vague recollection of this show, I feel like they've done it at least a couple of times already, as to whether or not it serves much of a dramatic purpose. In this case, it tells us about Nick, but I don't know that it... It's a very long walk from point A to point B of, here's this gated community where all the shit's gonna go bad, because that's what, that's what this franchise does, is... Everything goes bad once you get a lot of humans involved. <laughs> so that was my question, was whether or not the show's done this kind of thing before, and to what degree is this just becoming too well-worn of a trope for them that they need to stop doing it? Well, or they, the franchise in general, I should say. Yeah, they, they've definitely done this on The Walking Dead with uh, the episode Clear, which is all Morgan and is right, fantastic. Right. It's a really great episode, but the thing is... That's it's it's very much a standalone episode and and what's so great about it is is just that you have this actor who's tremendous giving a really really engaging performance and it's not there to really move the plot along or anything it's just yeah. there to be a really good episode um, and they've certainly done other similarly strong episodes with just two characters they've done a, a lot on The Walking okay. Dead and those again those tend to be their best episodes um, yeah. So I can see where they're why they would want to do this. Of uh, unfortunately, nothing that you're saying makes me want to watch this episode. <laughs> no, no, I, I I'm not recommending the episode in yeah. any way beyond I I think it's an in, I just thought it was an interesting concept and I really like that character and I really like that performance. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just like they do this long zoom out to show you the community in Tijuana that these people have constructed as if it's this big, important reveal and everything. And I just want guys, I've barely watched The Walking Dead and I know how this is going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to sell me on the grandeur of this small community in Tijuana. Mm hmm. 
I know how this is going to go. And the difference, I would say, is because you have... I mean, there is a comparatively large ensemble cast in Fear the Walking Dead, but I feel like The Walking Dead itself has an even bigger cast. Yes, Um, it has. It's a huge cast. Yeah, and, and having these one or two character episodes allows them to really dive deep into the psyche of those characters and give them time that they haven't necessarily had previously and lets them really give the actors a spotlight and and spend just spend time with that character. And I agree that that Nick and Delane are highlights of, of Fear the Walking Dead and I would my any issues I have with that character are because of the writing, not because of the performance. Um, right. And yeah. but the thing is I feel like I already know that character pretty well. So unless there's some new insight to his psyche in this episode, I feel like we already, yeah, we already saw him like connect with the dead and this, like this connection he feels like he has with, with them um, and understanding them and and everything. I I feel like we got that really well in the last season. So it's not like we need that in this season. Um, So that's why I don't feel particularly compelled when we have an episode like clear in the walking dead, we hadn't seen Morgan outside of that, like in years. Yeah, so that was more, or, or we were watching other characters come off of specific events, so that we were seeing how they reacted to them, or we were finding out completely new things about them. So um, that's where this one, why this one, this the concept of it doesn't really engage me. But um, sure. but yeah, that's I'm not surprised that they're doing that. But yeah, like you said, the idea of we end on a in a group area i wonder what will happen um is not particularly intriguing to me and um hopefully they've got something up their sleeves that we just don't know about maybe and i may or may not let you know i yeah. don't know i didn't set a i didn't set a season pass for this on my new dvr when i just saw because i heard that they they were going to drop the surprise premiere of the Halt and catch fire premiere but my guy didn't have it in the grid, and I didn't know when the Halt and Catch Fire thing was going to start. And I saw Fear of the Walking Dead and a Talking Dead, and I just went, wait, is that they? There has been no fanfare for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we can talk a little bit about that surprise premiere of Halt and Catch Fire that they intentionally left out of program guides. When we get to our weekend drama. But for now, let's move on quickly to Great British Bake Off. Um, and I'm just going to say that I love this show. La, 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 la. And no spo- I'm not hearing anything. No spoilers. <laughs> no worries. I like this Because I won't get to so watch far. this for like a year. Who knows? Yeah. And we won't be checking in every week with it. Um, because I won't be able to fly to England every week. That's why. Um, but um, I like what we've seen so far of the cast. Um, I enjoy the challenges. Um, I was not the best decision to watch this while hungry and trying to oh, cut down on do sweets. That? Not good. I was like, I want all of the cake <laughs> in my face with the delicious flavors and everything. Um, the I really like the technical challenge. I thought it was fun and clever and, and different than what we've seen. I won't say what it is. Um, and yeah, I it's just it's it's a very such a again it's such a sturdy structure to it's a great british bake-off that is just always happy i'm always happy when it's back so welcome back great british bake-off uh we'll talk about you when you become the great british baking show which will hopefully be sooner rather than later pbs 
Yeah, PBS is basically probably going, you know, our audience didn't care about a delay for Downton Abbey. They're not going to care about the <sighs> delay for this competitive cooking show, to which we all go, no, this is not Downton Abbey. This is so much better this than Downton Abbey. This is a different audience than what you had for Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> the audience for this is going to fly to England yep, to watch it. <laughs> to watch it. Absolutely. Uh, we will. But let's move on to a show we've both seen, and that's, of course, the season premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Now, of course, we're going to be talking about, and this is all-star talent show extravaganza, we will be talking about Drag Race in our the Make You Watch-a-thon uh, at the end of the show. Um, but the timing was accidental and perfect. Yeah, but perfect. Right, <laughs> no. I was, I was very excited when I was going through fall premieres to get set for next week's episode. And seeing that there was that All Stars was starting this week, and I just went, oh, "Kate planned this." <laughs> no, I didn't. No, nope. but no, she did not. <laughs> it worked out great because we watched seasons four through six of of Drag Race, and that's most of who's here. So, how do you feel like about half the cast? How did yeah. you feel about <laughs> the selection of the, of the queens, and how did you feel about the shakeup of the the process with like lip sync for your legacy, and then the winner? choosing who to send home uh and and how do you think everybody did what tell me what do you think of this premiere okay so first i was very i i was just very glad that we basically had half a cast to root for basically <laughs> um that made me really happy so i could have like some people that i knew and was was familiar with and could connect to which i really appreciated um but the let's just i think we should just dig into like the structure shakeup of RuPaul being like, I'm not going to decide this. Mm -hmm. And then everyone going, no one's getting eliminated. Yay! (laughs) How dumb are you, Ten? How dumb are you? Have you not seen a reality show ever? It's still a TV show. (laughs) It's still a TV show. They're not going to keep all ten of you here the entire time. Um, So I like the inversion of Lip Sync for Your Legacy, and I like the steady buildup for a cash prize that they can just keep winning money. I think that's really interesting. I think that's really fascinating. And much to the point, and we didn't preview, we didn't dig into this for the the, um, Make You Watch-a-thon discussion, but the significance of that much money makes a big difference for a lot of these people. And that's a big deal. Uh, So... Escalating the prize is really big, and it means that people are really going to pull out all the stops. There's not going to be any coasting. Mm-hmm. But everyone's shock and surprise at, oh, we have to pick who gets voted off the island? And I just went, where were you guys? Because as soon as RuPaul says, I'm not going to, I won't be eliminating anyone this season, I just went, that's because you're going to make the contestants do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just went, and then everyone's shocked when they have to do it. And I just went, uh, you guys have not been paying attention to pop culture for the past 16, 20 years, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, ha- having the both the cash prize, but also the potential of whoever wins choosing who gets sent home. Uh, yeah. Means that they can't just rely on being second, second, second worst. Because, yeah. especially if they're going to be shady, and let's be honest, a lot of these queens they're are going to be shady. Yeah. yeah, and have rivalries and such. So they have to, at least, the worst that they can rely on being is fourth worst. And when you have only ten queens, that's, you know, that means There's you have to bring no it. There's no room. 
There's yeah. no space. No. And and so, you know, I think it also has a lot of uh, potential to, to see. You, you don't get the desperate, like, pull out all the stops so I don't get eliminated lip sync. But you do get, I really want this money lip yeah. sync. And so, and, and that also means that theoretically your best queens are the ones who are lip syncing, who, that's not necessarily who you usually see lip sync on the show, so. Correct, which is a really good point, yeah. Yeah, and I also really like them doing Shake It Off. I was, I was, I thought that was a really fun song. Yeah, it and was. To, for them to do. So I, I, hopefully they have that level of en- energy in the songs all season, or at least, um, similar just kinds of whether they're fast or slow but similar kinds of songs that will be more relevant to maybe me as a viewer i I tend to enjoy the songs that they do for the lip syncs whether i'm familiar with them or not but it's nice to see um them mix that up maybe from their their the standard like group of songs they're choosing from yeah um any any people you're particularly rooting for um well i hate saying this but i was really glad coco went home already because I didn't want the show just to continually think through and rehash the Coco, um, what's her name? Alyssa. Alyssa. Alyssa, thank you. I was going to say Alicia, but it was Alyssa. Um, feud, which even they've acknowledged is like well in the past. It's done. It's over with. But I was just like, the show's just going to keep bringing it up because it was really long and convoluted in season five. It kind of made me hate season five a little bit because it just kept happening. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, so I was glad that Coco went home, but at the same time, it was also just like, Coco per- turned in a really bad talent show. Uh, just yeah. Just terrible talent show. Good. Like I don't know what that was. I appreciate a little dance pantomime, but that was just bad. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I'm really keyed in on what appears to be a reformed Roxy mm-hmm. um, in terms of attitude. I'm really excited about that because as someone who was rooting super hard for jinx roxy just really graded me in season five and i i she was she was terrible she was terrible and fifi were both terrible okay yeah we need to discuss fifi as well um but roxy was a terrible but i i just love the fact that roxy just went no no folks it wasn't the edit i was an asshole i was just awful this wasn't the edit i was just bad Mm -hmm. um and i'm really excited to see how long that stays. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Let's be honest, because, I mean, these are people who are getting plied with no sleep and alcohol to be as intense as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'll be interested to see how long that happens. And Fifi's in the same kind of boat in that Fifi really has something to prove. And when she was just like, I've really turned to doing drag cosplay. And I went... Excuse me? Where yeah. did this come from? Well, it's a thing. It's no, 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 no. I'm super familiar with drag cosplay. Oh, okay. I'm more so. Vivi's doing drag cosplay. Really? Hey. After her whole pageant queen type of approach and how really I I'm so I'm really interested to see if how the show is going to incorporate that. I loved her coming out in that Ger- uh, Frank Gorshwin um, Riddler-esque costume mm-hmm. was yeah. fantastic. I loved it. It was probably my favorite like intro costume. I thought it was just really phenomenal, in part because I really loved that character and that particular sense of camp and all of that being tied up in that costume I thought it was really, really great. Um, and, frankly, demonstrated maybe how f- much Fifi has hopefully matured as 
a human being. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? Was anyone standing out to you that you were wanting to zero in on? Well, first of all, I think this is a really strong bench yeah. across the board. Um, and I've seen, I haven't seen season two, but I've seen enough of the other, all the other seasons that these queens are from that I feel comfortable with saying that. Like, cause I've seen yeah. Ginger Minj, I've seen Kadia, um, enough of them not their whole season, but enough of them that um, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. So um, I'm very excited to see what this group brings and what it brings out in each of them to know that not only have they, they've been through this before, but everybody around them has been through this before. And theoretically, a lot of them have been out on tour together doing the yes. drag race tour and stuff. So they should have a lot more experience. Um, now there's a lot more dynamic between the Queens to draw from, but also just, they all have, probably have, have a lot more experience in the kind of drag that this show will reward than yeah. they did coming into their first season. And yes. I, th I appreciated, um, I know I this, the, what I've, from what I've seen online, um, Ms. Michelle Visage was getting, uh, a, a strong response, um, negative response as because of how harsh she was in her criticism. She was super harsh this week, but you know what? I appreciate that because first of all, she doesn't have any power especially on yeah. this season. And second of all, I appreciate this not being a, you're all wonderful, um, you, you're all perfect, you're all fan favorites, that's why you're back. Um, I also think it's super smart of Rue, just canny to be like, I'm not going to send people's favorite queens home. No, we're not doing it. You guys can do that. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to stand over here being impartial. I love, I love the cutaways to them drinking uh -huh. <laughs> mm, this is so much fun. Why didn't we do this sooner? <laughs> this um, but yeah, no, right away we get a talent show where they all are expected to do something other than look amazing. Uh, and yeah. that was really cool. And then next week is Snatch Game already. So I love that they started with the reading cha challenge because of yes. course reading is fundamental. Love it. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on this premiere? No. Um, do you have a favorite yet, though? No, no? I don't. Um, because okay. I do really enjoy most of these queens. Um, yeah. So I want to. I want to finish watching se season seven before okay. I I start picking who I think will do really well. Because I I don't know how how diverse the talent pool is as far as can they. Yes, they all look amazing. Yeah. And, but can they all do comedy? Can they all act? Can right. they all like that? I don't know how wide ranging all of their abilities are, but I think it, it has the potential to be a lot of fun. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Uh, well, let's move on to our next episode and our last one of this segment. And the one that we led into with Here Comes the Thought and that's Steven Universe, Mindful Education. Noel, when we heard, my sister and I heard Here Comes the Thought uh, sorry, just a thought. Um, at Comic Con, Rebecca Sugar sang it um, just with her, accompanying herself on, on the ukulele. I was so worried that we were going to get a, at least a few episodes where Garnet was split up mm -hmm. and like there was some like tension in the fusion with Garnet um, because of that song. I've sure. been like super stressed about that low level stress in my Steven Universe watching since. So I was so relieved to see this be a no garnet because it felt like the song had to be a fusion um yes. and it but it also felt like it had to be um dealing like it felt like it should be a significant thing so it felt like it feels like it should be a fusion fusion as in like 
Garnet, but maybe it could be Stevani, but is there enough stuff material for Stevani to be really going through this stuff? And I love that, um, that it, it's Garnet as guide and that, yeah, Connie's got a, a few things, but she works them out pretty quickly because they aren't that serious. But Steven's got a lot of shit to deal with. So I thought this was a beautiful episode. So powerful, so emotional, and not the way I imagined this song. Uh, How did at you all. imagine the song? Did you have like, a, what was your concept for it then? Well, just the sound for going mm-hmm. from just Rebecca Sugar's voice and a ukulele to like the beat and everything being, it sounds very different as a Garnet song than just sure. a Rebecca Sugar song. Um, right. But well. I, thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that the visuals were, were lovely and it was just a really, a, another really powerful and beautiful Steven Universe. What, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I really, 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 I don't have enough reallys, um, really liked this episode. Um, I liked the fact that they're trying to explore how messy fusion can be in a way that's productive as opposed to destructive. Um... And I think that's that's really good for them. And not necessarily, like, not to shortchange, like, Know Your Fusion or anything, but this is a very different kind of approach to explaining how fusion operates. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really significant and a nice way to do it. Um, and I was, and as soon as you said, like, I thought it was going to be a Ruby Sapphire thing, and I just went, well, A, that would be heartbreaking, and the entire show would break, and the fans would riot, because... <laughs> <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire have an issue that's like a legitimate issue that requires a song to fix. We would all just be losing it. It's one thing if they have an issue that needs to be fixed with Steven at a hotel on a road trip with Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's another if they need a song to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, the song's really great. Um, I kind of lost the lyrics a little bit, but that was just me. So I had to like go back and watch it with the closed captioning on so I could keep the lyrics going. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as like the second time through, I was able to like really figure out much more what the lyrics were adding to the visuals because the visuals were making it really clear. But I wanted the song to make sense with that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so good. And I loved the... I loved the notion of a literal trust fall. Yeah. That the show did to be to be like, okay, we're falling, but I need you to be here for me and I am here for you type of thing while we are literally falling. Yeah. <laughs> and to I think that that's just a really good literalization. Right. So I thought that was a really good literalization. I thought it was a really good way to very fully but acknowledge but not solve Steven's problems mm-hmm. and like oh gosh I knew I knew I knew I knew they were going to turn into Rose's face yeah and I just went oh so many things to deal with so many things uh but the reaffirmment that Connie is here for Steven was just so great and I was really into that. And the only other thing I'll say is that I was really glad that there was also plenty of comedy in the episode to balance everything else off. Like, Kermit's <laughs> 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 Just, I, 
A, Garnet just being so thrilled. Again, and we've talked about this. Garnet just being so ecstatic when anyone else fuses. <laughs> so I've made a sign for you and you and you and for Stephen and Connie, but also for Stevani. And I was just like, so good. Um, but also just like the the Super Mario Brothers two Luigi leg thing mm-hmm. to float. Yeah. I lost it, Kate. I lost it. Because I immediately went to Luigi in Super Mario Brothers 2 doing his mm-hmm. little running leg jump. And I just went... And I'm... You will never convince me that that was not the inspiration for that. Because it clearly was the inspiration for that. See, I went to Looney Tunes and, like, uh-huh. like running into the air out past the cliff until you right. know... Like, that's where I went. I went Looney Tunes, especially after the Wile E. Coyote one that we had. Sure, weeks ago. that makes sense. But, but yeah, no, I saw a lot of people <laughs> referencing referencing Luigi with that as well. Yeah. And and the, the Go Stevani sign that has Go, comma, Stevani... Yes. She gets her grammar right because we love guys. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with the balance there. And time, I mean, I just, <laughs> I love that in 10 minutes, we get the the entirety of the, of the the central message of Inside Out, which is like a two <laughs> to three hour movie, you know, two, two and a half hours. It's hour not movie. a three hour movie. It's not three, but it's like two and a half, isn't it? It's too long. It's, it is too long, yeah. I, I love that movie. Don't get me wrong, listeners. I think it's terrific and really powerful um, and uh, really I'm funny. I'm crying about the imaginary friend all day. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> you know, I, I help. I help. Um, but, 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 yeah, and the, like, starting with, with Connie and her, I, I know some people feel like the, her issue that we see is kind of, you know, like, just really thrown aside, but I really... I really bought it as something that she's able to quickly resolve because she can just go talk to the kid and, and like, and, and we don't know how far apart the two training sessions are and they're not the next, it's not the next day. So I like that she can resolve that pretty much by herself when she understands what's going on. It shows a lot of like, it just shows the, the, the difference between what she's dealing with and what Steven's dealing with. Some things you can just go Talk to talk it out, resolve it, and it'll be okay like that comparatively. And other things like what Steven's dealing with, you just you need to just acknowledge that they exist to begin with, and then you can start what is going to be a very lengthy process to begin like to to start dealing with and addressing it. Because for the challenge for Steven is not to solve his issue, but to acknowledge that what he's feeling, like acknowledge that he is feeling this stuff and acknowledge that this is a problem. Um, I loved the callback with like, hold the phone, now give the phone to me, which of course is Steven's <laughs> thing that Garnet says. I loved it. Um, and, and just this idea that Steven's like our plucky hero saying, no, just, you know, put it in a box and crush it. <laughs> you know, uh, It's like, what happens when you deny something? It goes away. You know, um, I, I really appreciated that being, of course, that's Stephen's initial response, and of course, that's how he's been processing so much crap from this summary of Stephen. He dealt had a lot of really heavy stuff to deal with, and I I love the way that we progressed from from Bismuth to Jasper to Ruby because that's the episode, the order they happened in in the episodes, and then it all comes back to Rose Quartz. Because finding out about the diamond about Pink Diamond was the last. So like, and and all this other stuff is tied in together and this notion it's not yes he feels like he's living in his mom's shadow but it's not about that it's it's the fact that she's hanging in the air and she's not smiling 
and she looks scary and he can't rely on this these gorgeous statues of her that are all around and this idea he's had in his head of who she is he's lost that and he's been trying to just keep all of that keep all that on himself and and it, it, it's a very similar response to what we saw from him after jailbreak when he yeah. pulled in and he was trying to not bother Connie with everything and that beautiful song he had um, with the phone ring. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it makes so much sense that, that again, that's his, he's learned that, that that's not what she wants. And that's not the healthiest way to respond, but he still defaults back to that. And so he has to learn that same lesson again in a different way. I just thought it was, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. It was. And your explanation of how Connie's issue could be resolved much more quickly than Stevens is, is very on point. But at the same time, my immediate reaction was, how did Connie explain that? Oh, I've been going through this training with this gem alien and... Or I've just... been studying martial arts. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you need to say I've been going hopping to other dimensions to like, you know, and fighting these Polygrams. gem monsters who've come out of the earth, uh, out of the ocean to attack me, you know, with my buddy Steven who's half alien. I don't think you need to go into all that. <laughs> or do you? No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I, I I get what people, some people are saying where they would have liked this to more fully explore where she's what she's dealing with and, and what's going on in her life because there is a whole other world of what Connie's experiencing that we haven't even dealt with. How do you go from this stuff with the gems into a normal daily existence at a school with com- right. devoid of any unusual things? Like that's a completely other and parallel with her series. Parents. Exactly. That that she, like she's dealing with a lot of really heavy stuff too. Um, but I think. I, I'm okay with her, this situation being a comparatively minor one that could easily escalate, you know, if, if she has other situations recur, we could come back to that with Connie. But I like that this was a comparatively minor one because this stuff has been building for Steven and we haven't seen any fallout yet. I mean, yeah. he almost died. He sent Ruby out to to just topple in the cold void of space for eternity. Like yeah. he's he's had some really heavy stuff to deal with. Um, and he hasn't processed any of it yet. So I think we really needed to see that. And I, and I totally buy this idea of that as soon as there's just this little chink in this facade that he's put up, which is Connie having to deal with something and and, yeah. and the solution for her being to process it and to acknowledge it and that being what helps her. As soon as he sees how excited and happy and like healed she is, that's when he sees the butterfly, the first moth. That's when it's like, oh, maybe... It's not what I'm doing is it's not just going to start feeling better because I tell myself to feel better. Um, I, for me, it just, and the visuals are just gorgeous and the music gorgeous. And I'm just very, I'm very happy that Steven is starting to acknowledge how he's feeling and that you can feel guilty without it being your fault. Even if it is your fault, it's okay to feel guilty. And if it's not your fault, it's still okay to feel guilty and yeah, it's like, what else was he supposed to do with that ruby? But that doesn't mean that he shouldn't feel bad about it. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. And are any other thoughts on the visuals or other aspects? There was a, there was an anime shot out. I don't know if the anime was shouting out, but when they're falling, I saw on, on, on Twitter or Tumblr, um, uh, screen caps of like side by side. That was a shout out to something. Oh, um, didn't register as anything for me. Um, but maybe Castle in the Sky? I don't know. I'd have to see it. Mm-hmm. 
I like the colors. I thought it was so nice to have the uncertainty be orange. Yeah. And red and not to just go dark, but to go but yeah, orange like that. They we haven't really seen a lot of that on the show. We had mm-hmm. we had the the pink and the blue with Mr. Greg. But have we had orange like that yet? No, but I imagine that a lot of that just had to do with a Jasper orange. Mm-hmm. Um but also like inside of a volcano orange mm-hmm. and then just a shade of ruby yeah for addition so i feel like it's a good color to represent that whole thing mm-hmm. in yeah yeah i think that's a good and like again we're talking about them all doing this in like 10 minutes and just even like the fact that they set up really nice shot callbacks for like the end of just a thought yeah with um all, all four of the parts of Effusion laying down to look up, and the episode ends with Effusion looking up. And I just really appreciate, like, again, there's really nice visual symmetries that they're putting a lot of work into figuring out the best ways to get everything across. And there's just so much thought and effort being put into this that it's just really, it's just, it's, gosh, you know it's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once again, it's just like Steven Universe is the best thing on TV right now and nobody's watching it that we know, like in the critic community, and it makes me sad. Yeah. But, Same. But at least we are, right? Yay! So what was your week in genre and reality? She asked knowing the answer. Uh, it was totally brain dead. Penult- no, it's not brain dead. It was a fine episode, but no, it's not brain dead. Uh, no, it's very much um, Steven Universe, which I assume is yours as well. Of Unless course. that cake was just really delicious no. that you enjoyed in England. I've been waiting <laughs> for this song since Comic-Con, and it was so good. Um, yeah, no, definitely Steven Universe. That's powerful, powerful storytelling. And listeners, if you watch Steven Universe... Reach out and let us know because, like, as far as we know, like two of our listeners watch Steven Universe. Carl uh, made his kids buy all the Funko figures, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Also, speaking, I did not know this, and I'll just tell you this: I live down the street and around the corner from the Funko headquarters. I just found this out yesterday. That's exciting. Yeah. So, if there's anything you want me to steal. <laughs> noted noted uh but we should move on because again we're gonna be running long today so uh we will wrap it up there and take a break listen to a little uh a little toby huss and come back with our week in drama they all laugh at christopher columbus when he said the world was round <laughs> They all laughed when Edison recorded sound. They all laughed at Wilbur and his brother when they said that man laughed at Rockefeller Center. Now they're fighting to get in. They all laughed at mutiny and our cotton gin. They all said we never would be happy. They laughed at us and how. But oh, ho, ho, who's got the last laugh now? 
This week in drama, we're going to talk a little Halt and Catch Fire, as you may have guessed, with that karaoke lead-in from, from Toby Huss. Um, that's Valley of the Heart's Delight and One Way or Another. Then Noel's going to talk a little Greenleaf, uh, Wendy Wendy Wiki, or the way everybody else pronounces it, Veni Vidi Vici, which is not the correct Latin way, nerd, push the glasses up the bridge of the nose. Then we'll move on to the... I was so about to make a glasses thing yeah. for our listeners, even before you actually did it. Like, I was going to interrupt <laughs> and be like, as Kate says this, as she puts up, pushes up her imaginary glasses, and then you just went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah, yeah church, Latin, whatever. Real Latin for me, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. That's I only had one year of Latin in high school, but... That's, I feel strongly about this. Wow, and, okay. Yeah, hey, Mr. Boxel was awesome. He's an amazing teacher. But uh, there's no Latin, unless I missed it, in The Night Of, Ordinary Death, or Mr. Robot's uh, successor. Uh, so so we won't need to get into a semantic sort of argument there. But first up, we have Halt and Catch Fire. Now, unfortunately, due to uh, poor time management on my part, I've only seen the first of the this week's two episodes of Halt and Catch Fire, but I'm super glad it's back, and I really enjoyed the premiere. Uh, Noel, what did you think uh, of Valley of the Heart's Delight and One Way or Another? I was really glad it was back, too. Um, I'd been looking forward to this um, for most of the summer after season two's really strong let's just be honest, complete and utter retooling. Yeah. Um, to go from, oh, wounded male egos and pride and psyches to awesome ladies inventing chat rooms. Yep. Um, th- way, I better. Mean, that's <laughs> way better. Way um, better. And that continued um, uh, to large degrees in these two episodes as um, Cameron and Donna try to figure out ways to grow mutiny after hitting 100,000 users and going, well, we need to do more. Um, how do we do more? And so this idea of innovation and trying to figure that out, uh, which is explored much more in the second episode. Um, so I won't give give away what they are figuring out to do for that. Unless, was that in the first? No, it wasn't. Because it, it, it feels the like they're going to do Craigslist? With... Yeah, they are, they're basically going to do Craigslist. Um, but not like the shady... Yeah. Craigslist, but the other Craigslist. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to do Craigslist. Um, and so all the interplay that gets involved with doing that, and I think that's a really interesting avenue for them to explore. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm still not super interested in uh, Gordon's I don't know what my life is right now, and I kind of want to go and do my own thing. And I just like, Gordon, nobody cares. <laughs> Ouch. I kind of care. Well, I, mean, like, I, I kind of care, but I don't know what you would do, Gordon. <laughs> well, it's just is my thing. Gordon has not shown himself to be a person who makes wise or healthy decisions on his own. Right. So, you know, like, you feel like if I don't want you to go off and do your own thing. I, I do if that's what the character needs. And I love how open Donna is to that, too. Yeah. Um, but not if you're just going to go start doing like crack again. <laughs> or, I mean, I, my basic reaction is Gordon, if you're going to go off and do your own thing and they kind of explore like the beginning of that. And then the setback of that in the second episode, mm-hmm. um, is that I need you to do something other than reinvent the giant again, or do something that isn't the giant or chasing that keyboard music 
computer thing that you were so obsessed with in season one. Mm-hmm. Please, please, for the love of God, do something else. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, then I guess there's Joe, mm-hmm. um, channeling his Valley beard and Steve Job big glasses and, um, inventing McAfee, McAfee security basically and giving it away for free. <laughs> and basically merging virus protection and AOL. <laughs> um, trials, I guess. Um, you get a lot more of that in season in season two, in episode two. So I'll like pull back on that. But he gets this the big speech at the Castro, and God, the show is still so shot in Atlanta that it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you'll never make me believe that this is Atlanta. <laughs> I'm not Atlanta, guys, um, or Georgia overall so yeah no really solid i think um premiere um i'm really excited about everything but (sighs) everything but ryan Hmm, okay um in part because ryan just feels i'd be much more interested in ryan if ryan wasn't brand spanking new okay as opposed to i'm supposed to feel really bad for this new guy and then things happen in things happen in episode two and I'm just like, oh, Ryan, if this were happening to any of the other support characters that have been a mutiny that I've connected to already, I would care a lot more. But Ryan, I just see you as a way to mobilize the conflict between Joe and Gordon. And that's all you are. That's all you're going to be. And so I'm just like, Ugh, I don't care, Ryan. I don't care about you wanting to be excelling somewhere. But you made a face of... Really? So tell me how you felt about this first episode. Well, it's because for me in the first episode, Ryan connects in with this issue of the security with the private messages. And yes. I thought that was very, very powerful. The stuff, the scene we get with Cameron and the user where she had mentioned his, his son dying and he realized that he had never told her that. Like, I thought that that scene was really effective. And, yes. um, and the, the, the guilt she feels over that when she's lying about it later. Um, and, and I, I thought they were going to connect Ryan in with that part of things and him and, and them realizing Donna and, and Cameron realizing that he's really talented and has a lot of potential and he's, and, and so like I was seeing Ryan being connected in with them more in the, the coming episodes, but apparently that's not what they do. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Noel just shook his head listeners. Yeah. It is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to watching the next episode, though. I, I, I like the little bit we get with Boz, or as he's come to be to me now, Stumpy from Carnival uh, with Toby Huss. I like the, the karaoke. Toby the Huss is a national treasure. <laughs> but also like the stuff with his uh, his son and the grand the grandkid and everything. I thought that was nice. Right. Uh, the, the just the little phone call he gets is creepy from Joe. Creepy Joe yeah. is like the best Joe. Joe. Yeah. Um. But. The other thing I really like, and Boz, uh, you mentioned Boz reminded me of this, is their new headquarters of like this renovated apart, uh, warehouse with like the manager office with the sliding glass door, and how they're mobilizing that space, even like with Cameron coming to the door to grab 
grab Boz to come back and everything. I just love like all the really nice choices that that episode's making from just a blocking and staging perspective mm-hmm. is just really, really cool. And they're really using that space that opens up a lot of opportunities for them really, really well. And I was really, even like the stuff with um, the guys from upstairs talking through this, talking through the steps to mm-hmm. talk to Ryan uh, was just really nice as opposed to having them come all the way down to shoot the scene. It's just like, no, just do it from the stairs. There's gaps in the stairs. We'll just do it like this. And it's just, it's really good use of the space. Well, and that's what they would actually do. It shows a lived in right. element to the, to the space that works really well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Good call. Good call on that. I would have not mentioned it. Um, well, any final thoughts on Halt and Catch Fire? And if not, what did you think of the penultimate episode of Greenleaf? Um, still, I feel like they're like a winding things down the Mac stuff still down somehow, which is bizarre to me just because we got Oprah's Oprah's character come back to remind us that the bar was closing because she, Mac is like no longer there to like deal with the things and made sure that it was going away. Um, but the big takeaway for me, apart from the fact that this episode was really well directed by Regina King, uh, who came in and directed the episode and did a really fantastic job, um, making it both feel like an episode of Greenleaf, but also doing a lot of really nice, like, profile, intense, like, profile close-ups in a lot of cases, um, really kind of put a really nice, um, spin on the show as well. Uh, so I really enjoyed those aspects of it, but the big takeaway for me was... Kevin and Charity and Kevin being like, I have feelings for men. I've never acted on them. I don't know what they mean. And just that entire thing made the weird back burner process that this plot had had for like the middle of the season. I immediately was okay with it Mm -hmm. because this scene was just so good. And A, immaculately acted on both sides, but B, also just the sheer response to something like this happening in a family like this is exactly accurate. And just the legitimacy and the honesty of the delivery of I've prayed on this for days, for weeks, for months, and nothing's helping me with this is something that's just immensely powerful and immediately something that how many people who have been in similar situations have done the exact same thing with the exact same conclusion and the exact same response to a family member or loved one and that sort of thing is just so good that even the more melodramatic conclusion of it of she ends up in the hospital from the reaction and everything didn't bother me in a way that kind of could have undercut the entire scene but doesn't because that's how good that scene is. And that was, like, the big takeaway from that episode is, yeah, the divorce thing is, the child custody thing feels more like a way to solve having a a three-year-long gap for the show coming back next summer and that sort of thing. But that was the big, that was the big thing of this episode was this. It wasn't the Deacon board politics of it all or this was all just more set up for conflicts in season two, which I'm glad the show's doing. But that was just huge. And I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, what about you? I haven't had a chance to see it yet. You so. haven't had a chance to watch it. Oh, no. so I'm sorry. I just spoiled oh, it. Oh, that, no, no, no. This has been coming for quite a long time. <laughs> and, and from the description of the episode, I yeah. figure that's what happened in this episode. But what I love about that is, again, it's something we've talked about before with Greenleaf, is the idea of representing an underrepresented 
community and and just like subculture in America. And so the I mean, because there's not a lot of uh, of gay representation on TV, anyways. But um, he, but to have a religious gay character who's very earnest in his beliefs represented in this way and treated with this kind of respect as something that I really appreciate too. Cause again, that's another portion of, of this country and group of people. And, and some, some people, uh, who, who are gay come out of like their experience with the church, absolutely hating it. And for very understandable and justifiable reasons. And the ones that, Frankly, I'm much more on that side of, of the, the spectrum with reaction. But then other people come to terms with their sexuality and still find so much value in their faith and their beliefs. And just they, they feel they feel that they the the their their faith, this idea that you can't be gay and also religious or Christian or Catholic or whatever. In this case, not, not Catholic for this these characters, but is is a fallacy and that their their therapy is only strengthened by a stronger sense of who they are so having you know that that's just such a a rich territory to mine for honest um character growth so i really look forward to seeing how the show's going to handle it um and i I, can you think of another example of this kind of storyline on tv not offhand i'm sure that there i would hope that there's been one and someone hopefully can point me in that direction but um if there has been it's been done in a way that feels probably in that very much that 90s very special episode sort of approach mm-hmm. which allows for an easier resolution yeah or allows for a tragic resolution yeah yeah lots of tragic and, resolutions for right, a good and TV. that's the thing is like this isn't going to be an easy resolution but it's not going to be tragic either. At least I don't think so. Um, so no, I, I I would have to imagine that it's been shown in some case before. Like, God, I, if Seventh Heaven never did a gay kid coming out in that guy's church, then mm-hmm. they kind of missed the boat. That's true. Um, That's true. But I'm sure that there probably was one episode at least, and I'm sure the family was very understanding about the whole thing. <laughs> But there was probably that random congregationist who wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, I feel like that this is a really solid way to reflect yeah. that particular experience. And yeah, it was just really great. I can't wait for you to watch it. Yeah, and I love that they have Carlton just right waiting. He's just there to be in, in the wings, that character to be drawn in for conversations on this as a, a yeah. gay character who's out and who's, Oh God, I didn't even mention that. Like they have dinner and he gets pissed with, he gets pissed with Kevin. Ah, Ooh, I'm yeah, intrigued. Cause Carlton's just like, you need to figure this out and you need to stop maybe flirting with me a little bit. Yeah. Cause it's kind of felt like you have been. Yeah. And don't contact me again. It's 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 a much mu- more minor scene than what we get with Kevin and Charity, but it's a much needed scene. But it was also weird because the guy who plays what was his name? Isn't Carlton? He he's also in the second episode of Halt and Catch Fire, I think, playing oh. something very different. Okay. And I watched both of these episodes basically on the same day, and I was just went, 
but, but, uh, uh, gosh, I, and I also can't wait for you to watch. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, next week. Yeah. We'll talk about it next yeah. week. <laughs> um, now let's move on to The Night of Ordinary Death. And for me, I only have two thoughts on this episode. Sure, let's uh, have them. My first thought is um, I, I liked, I really appreciate some of the courtroom scenes and specifically the scenes of, so did you do these basic things that should have been part of your job? person after showing uh that this detective has been on the whole like a really respected and he's really good at his job he just didn't really do it in this case because yeah. he wasn't looking for the guy who committed this crime he he was handed a a, a, a suspect and went oh this seems like this will work i'm not yeah. gonna bother to look elsewhere um so i really enjoyed that but i i had a big problem with chandra kissing Nas oh, out of nowhere Oh, uh. <laughs> what did you think, Noel? Okay, so A, this is where the show's like squishiness with time is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, as soon as like just the framing of that scene, just as soon as that scene started, the framing of it, I went, they're going to kiss. And I'm going to hate it. And then they kiss. And I hated it. Yeah. Because I, I just hated all of it. I hated the fact that if even with the information that she's feeling un, she's feeling unsafe and threatened and she just broke up with her boyfriend. But we're going to kiss this guy? Really? I, I, I understand that you feel he's innocent. Fine. Whatever. I don't really care about that. I care about the fact that he went into the prison a really nice, <laughs> really nice boy, and he's smuggling drugs in, and he's got sin tattooed on his fist, and just all this stuff of why are you doing this, Chandra? Chandra, why? What? What is the reaction? Why? And you're leaning, you're leaning into it. This is the thing. I mean, you're you're not saying no. You're not. You're leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if they knew that they were going here all season, which I think they did, it's, it's, it ties into the original version of this um, of this miniseries, because I have looked up what happens in that. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the only reason they're doing it, but it, they knew that they were going to go here, and they did not build to it at all, at right. least as far as I'm concerned. If they thought they were, then at least with me, they failed. So that felt right. uh, like a... Be- betrayal of the character that we've come to know or at least a a reveal that's not supported by anything else we've been shown so that was that was frustrating yeah and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the nas that she's exposed to is not the nas that we have been continuously exposed to since he ended up in prison Mm -hmm. the nas that she gets is very much the nas that got arrested more or less um, in his soft-spokenness, in how he responds to things, in how he thinks about things, um, and how he talks to her and how he asks questions to her, as opposed to the Nas that just looks very sullen and um, is going to distract a guard so another prison inmate can get killed. Mm. Um, it's very much, we're getting two different Nas's, and the fact of the matter is, is that it's not an issue so much of reconciling these Nas's, but of that other Nas that Chandra has consistent exposure to is not one that we have consistent exposure to. And 
again, I just struggle with the fact that we're not given Nas's perspective on how he's coping with having to become a tough inmate. And there's something really lacking as to whether or not there's a strong... He's experiencing a strong disconnect between these two aspects of himself or... He's just reckon he's compartmentalized them, and that's how this is going to work now. But I don't know what it is, and the show hasn't represented it to me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it also for me is not a good look to go back to um, the victim throughout right this episode. in the kissing scene. Well, and it just highlights that they have done no work to make her a character. Because did you? Did you read their interview that they gave to Vox? No, I haven't. Oh boy. Oh, oh, that'll be fun. Once I'll, I'll, I'll try to wait until after I watch the finale before I, I, I right. read that. But no, after after the premiere, it was just this is a, you know, the 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 manic pixie dream girl version of this type of character in these shows who pops up and has is exists so that she can be tragically dead and doesn't have any weight or any, you know anything to make her feel real. Um, and hopefully that characterization is coming, but it hasn't come. And so now again, we get these, all these shots of her dead body and all these things. And she's like, Oh, isn't she just so sad? She's, she's there to be, to be tragic. Um, and I just, I think they really have dropped the ball on that. And I think they really, that's just something they failed to do in the first episode. Cause they were much more interested in making him, an interesting character or an intriguing character than they were in making her dimensional. So, um, yeah, that's a little, a little disappointing. They but don't care. I still did enjoy, I, yay, we yeah. still have <laughs> shoes on, on Totoro. And he likes his cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cat's so cute. He's just, he's just like, oh, you left the door open. I'm going to come sleep with you. Yay. Went, yay. Um, and I, I like the herbalist going, get rid of your cat. No, I don't have anything for asthma. Get rid of your cat. <laughs> there yeah. are certain things I cannot fix. Yeah. And cat allergies are one of them. Well, um, talking about things that you can't fix, um, with Mr. Robot, we had successor this week and they fixed a big problem this week, which is they just didn't have Elliot in it, which meant they didn't have Mr. Robot, which meant the episode, as far as I'm concerned, could be a lot better than a lot of stuff we've gotten recently. I I had a lot of fun, uh, comparatively speaking, at least with this episode of Mr. Robot. How did you feel about it? Um, one of the things that, like, while I was watching the episode, was okay. How am I going to talk about the episode this week with Kate? Is the thought that runs through my mind, and the thing that I was re thinking about as I watched this episode is very much the fact that this is an episode that I can appreciate and like even but it's very much from a distance at this point in my strong estrangement with the show um even if there's no elliot no mr robot no false reality consciousness bullshit to sift through that even after as soon as we got from recording i thought of like three other examples that pissed me off about that um so it was just going through all of this and then having this very, very straightforward, very Darlene-centric, very, um, also the other two hackers whose names I can never, ever remember and it drives me up the wall. Um, and just how they dealt with all of this and the fact that they're kind of not very good at any of this <laughs> um, was interesting and compelling. Um, and I enjoyed all of it and 
kind of just wish the show was them and I never had to see Christian Slater ever again. Yeah. Or deal with, where's Tyrell? Where's Tyrell? And it's just like, we Tyrell's inside your head, Elliot. He's inside your head. Well, he's not because they're, they're, he can't be because we've seen too many pictures. Like, Tyrell, is, there's been a manhunt for him and Elliot's been processed at a state correctional facility. Right, no, I so know. So he can't be. But um, but could he be false consciousness? No, no, nobody, no. and nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like I did really. I didn't really have a problem with what we get in this episode. I know some people, including former fabulous co-host of the podcast Simon Howell, had a problem with uh, with Darlene uh, killing the Sandrine Hall character. Um, but I you know I I really I was I was fine with it. How are you feeling about Angela right now? I, I'm struggling to figure out what they're doing with her mm-hmm. now that they've basically like shut down the avenue of her sh- her lateral shift within E-Corp. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure where we're going to go with Duck Phillips showing up <laughs> um, for a random hookup because um, you don't cast Mark Moses for just that one scene. You cast him to come back and do some more stuff. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just wa- wasting Mark, Mo- Mark Moses, who's a fantastic character actor. And why would you do that to him? Mm-hmm. Um, but the reveal that the her boyfriend is working for or is in the FBI? Yeah, we knew that. Did we? Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I blocked that out because I just went, oh, this is new information to me. Yeah, that's uh-huh. when she got caught in mid-heist on the floor uh-huh. and the guy was started hitting on her. Uh, well, yeah. actually, no, that's a different guy. Yeah, you're thinking, I'm talking about the black guy. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of um, actor from a different show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of actor from Limitless. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's, oh, yeah, I think that it was, that was new information then, wasn't it? Yeah. That shows you that how closely I've been watching this show. <laughs> also, Oops. thank you for telling me that that was uh, Ike from Limitless because I was driving me nuts who he was. Yeah. Um, But that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Um. So no, so finding that out, I just went, oh, well, that's new information. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, it was just, I, I, I don't know what to do with Angela. Do you know what to do with Angela? Um, I've been okay with what they've been doing with Angela in general. I just would, I'm ready for her to regain some agency. So I've really right. liked when they, when she's had some, I like, I'm okay with her not really knowing what, where she is or what, what's going on and kind of finding herself in over her head and, and having lost some of herself and not knowing what to do. I, I, but I feel like we've had enough of that. I feel like it, yes. I'm ready for her to be more active and to take more agency in her story again. So, right. yeah, I'm sort of on the fence at this point. Like, I'm, like I haven't lost me yet, but they easily could. Right, and I've had enough of people that Angela knows, old men that Angela knows, yelling at her for being a sellout. Yeah, well, I mean, and we have that scene at the bar, and they have to go then have him make a uh, oral sex joke um, at her expense um, because they can't just leave it at the sense that of understandable like we have to make him gross and sexist we can't just have him be angry at her for working for this company because we have to show that he is a jerk he can't he can't have there can't be validity to what he's saying and that just felt a little cheap so um yeah well hopefully things get a little more interesting for her but certainly i think this was a step in the right direction did you enjoy her karaoke cover uh it was fine 
Yeah. I liked I liked the, that we got so much karaoke on TV this week. We did get a lot of karaoke this week. It's true. And, I mean, if you had watched uh, Better Late Than Ever, you would have gotten more karaoke. Oh, there we go. But yeah. that's not going to be enough to make me watch. See, I watch all the, the network pilots, but only for scripted. And that means that I don't have to watch that one. So I'm okay with it. Um, any final thoughts on Mr. Robot? Um, did I have any final thoughts? Um... No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I'm not... How... Did we... See, this tells you how closely I was watching, but I was also so tired yesterday. Um, Did we get resolution about what happened to both of the other hackers? No. No, okay. Not yet. I didn't think so, because we know that DJ Mobley Mm -hmm. is running two hours late for his meeting in the coffee house. Yeah. Um, But we don't know if that's really him. Okay, because that could okay. be a setup too. I could see that right. being. I could see that being Gummer. Okay, sure. Okay, so yeah, I don't know where any of that's like heading. Um, and I'm kind of intrigued, but at the same time, like Darla's connection, Darlene's, Dar- Darla, Darlene's, uh, being in the clutches of the White Rose and Formid and the mm-hmm. everything. I'm just like, I feel like I need threads, even though they have a whole other season ahead of them. I feel like I kind of need threads to start coming together, at least for this season's story, because we're at we're past the halfway point. Yeah. And you spent four episodes just doing exposition. <laughs> really boring, really pointless exposition. Um, get to a point. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, what wins your weekend drama? Um, as much as I really enjoyed the Halt and Catch Fire two-part premiere, and there's some really good stuff in that second episode... Um, it's totally just Greenleaf for that one scene alone, really, uh, from an acting standpoint, writing standpoint, representational standpoint, just A pluses across the board there. So that's what won my week. What about you? What won your week? Well, I haven't watched it yet, so I will give it right. to Halt and Catch Fire's uh, premiere, and I will look forward to watching Greenleaf soon after we finish recording. Um, but that will wrap up our weekend TV. So now we'll take a break, listen to some clips and music, and come back with our Make You Watchathon with Drag RuPaul's Drag Race and Chihaya Furu. So we'll be right back after this. 100 episodes, 100 contestants, but only one queen reigns supreme. You ready, kitty girl? <laughs> it's Derek, bitch. Who else has been carb-free for two weeks? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Get ready for a fabulous you season. Ready? It's our 100th episode. Hello, hello, hello. And the 100th queen to turn it out. <gasps> oh, and. Baby Jesus. Girl, get pimped for some serious day. Are there any shady bitches in this group? Oh, okay. If I want to do ratchet drag next week, can you give me any tips? If you want to do, like, memorable drag next week, I can give you some tips. Baby, the shade, the shade. And some ruthless competition. This is season eight, and people are just bringing it. That bus comes by, I'm going to throw her first. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? We're going to make Drag Race history. I want a front row seat for this. That's... Effort. Wow. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, I want her legs. <laughs> New season premieres Monday, March 7th at 9. This is the most.
most emotional roller coaster I've ever been on. This is getting good. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, the Televerse is turning five. Happy birthday, the Televerse. Uh, we are not drinking. It's Happy early. birthday to you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Intangible. Do you feel, do you feel older and wiser? Oh, well, considering that I have recently discovered some podcast helping technology that has been around forever. Uh, yes. I'm, so I feel simultaneously very foolish, emphasizing the the only five years old the televerse is only five years right. old uh well, but at the same time like you know length. Yeah. it's like you know it's, i've leveled up in in a way in with yeah. some of the, the behind the scenes uh technological stuff at the here at the televerse um but it's it's always fun here at the televerse it's a little early in the day for us to be drinking otherwise normally we probably would yeah but uh, to celebrate, we're doing our annual Make You Watchathon, and this year uh, I'm going to go first. And Noel, I made you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, uh, what was your relationship with this show before the Make You Watchathon? And I should say again to our listeners, we specifically focused on seasons four through six because those are the ones that are up on Amazon Prime. Um, I ended up watching uh, quite a bit more because sure. <laughs> I got hooked. But what Good. was what was your relationship with Drag Race? Um, I had seen clips, like, on, like, The Soup, mm-hmm. um, and I think I'd seen a couple of, like, random episodes at some point, and maybe not even, like, full episodes, just, like, random smatterings of episodes, um, but that was the extent of my relationship with the show. Uh, what about you? Had you watched any of this beforehand, or? No, I had seen, no? Okay. like, none of it. Uh, I, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure I saw a clip somewhere here or right, there. Right, sure. But, um, and I was familiar with RuPaul, but. And, well, uh, yeah, who isn't? I mean, <laughs> I mean if really. you're not, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. No yeah. offense to those under rocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, that their lives need to be more fabulous, so they should go look into RuPaul. Um, but as a avid listener of the Tom and Lorenzo um, Pop Style Opinion Fest, their podcast over at Tom and Lorenzo, they talk about it all the time. So I have been happily listening to their like takes on the episodes for like seasons. So some of the names okay. were very familiar to me. Um, and, and I certainly enjoyed their commentary before I had even seen it. So I was vaguely familiar with some stuff, but, um, but no, I hadn't seen any of it. I've also, I've never seen a drag show, uh, though I really, yeah, though I respect okay, tremendously. You're out. They're great. Well, and also apparently there was a premiere party in Chicago for all stars that was happening that maybe I could have like gone to see and gotten a ticket for if I had planned ahead on such things, but I did not. Sure. <laughs> and I missed out on that opportunity. Uh, okay. So what did you think? Obviously, you know, I said I watched extra, so I was a fan. What did you think? Right. I, I've watched the three seasons that we highlighted um, in part because I ended up watching all three seasons within the span of like four days. Uh huh. <laughs> So by the time I, and I worked, I did seasons five, six, and then went back to four, uh, just because of weirdness with Amazon. Um, and so within that very compressed time, time frame, I just went, all right, I've watched three seasons of a high drama competitive reality show. I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I really, I really, really enjoyed the show. I'm, where we talked about All Stars, uh, which I wouldn't have even thought to watch All Stars had we not been watching this. Mm-hmm. And but no, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was really fascinated by a lot of stuff. Um, I relearned a bunch of stuff that I had like locked away in my head from film studies undergrad classes from when I had to watch Paris is Burning twice in one semester for two different classes. 
Um, because Paris is Burning is like quintessential documentary studies, but also cultural studies catnip. And um, I haven't seen it either, and I really want to, but I haven't oh, had time because I've been mainlining stuff for the main Right, no, you should watch Paris is Burning um, because it's a really fascinating, really interesting documentary and raises all sorts of fascinating questions. Um, but all that being said, um, it, so things like reading um, and a couple of other concepts I remembered from that... Um, and also just from readings related to Paris's burning and then just learning other things about the ideological approaches and divisions within drag, which I was completely unaware of um, as they had developed. So things like fish and these sorts of concepts I was just largely unaware of, um, which was interesting because one of the things since I watched season five first, which is the season with Jinx and Roxy, and a few other folks, um, was Jinx's form of drag is what I'm most immediately familiar with. And so when that large dispute came up over, this isn't drag what you do, I just went, wait, I thought that this was what drag was. And this it was really fascinating to f- see these different kinds of approaches to drag. And I found that, for me, was the most fascinating thing about watching Drag Race. And we can get into, like, discussing the show's structure a little bit, because I think the show's structure is fine, but also it just gets really repetitive after watching three seasons in four days in terms of this challenge happens at this time, this challenge happens at this time, and it's just the same thing over and over again with just variations but that's most reality competition shows but watching it all in a very compressed space i just went i get it i i understand the structure and i'm kind of a little bit bored by the time i got to season four um but all that being said again long story short too late it was good i really enjoyed it and i was glad that you made me watch it how did you feel about this since a you had never seen a drag show before uh so like what was your relationship with or knowledge of drag, I guess, prior to watching this? And then how did you feel about, like, the show overall? Well, knowing almost nothing about drag, uh, I still had tremendous respect for what drag queens do because I have a hard enough time spending any amount of time in heels, uh, and that's uh, having been socialized (laughs) from a young age to, you know, not young, but from teen years to, to know that... You can't wear certain outfits if you don't wear heels. And so you just better get used to heels if you want to wear certain outfits. Um, So like just on that base level, let alone the ridiculous, amazing jobs that the uh, queens do with like their makeup and and everything. Like even just knowing like Tu Wong Fu and like a few other um, cultural touch points, I already just went in being like, okay, I don't know much about drag except that I know it's to be able to do that is impressive, uh, certainly in any, in any level. Um, but I love this show. I, I watched, the reason I watched yeah. extra is that it was super addictive. I would just, I didn't sit down planning to watch like a season in a day, but if you want to do that, this show is timed perfectly for it. Cause it's like, it is 
like 10 episodes, 12 episodes, but like one of them is going to be a recap one, so you can skip that one. Which, yeah, you can. I, I did not know that the first two times and kind of regretted it and then did it, on, <laughs> did it on season four and just went, it's the best decision I've ever made. Well, because if, you, if you're watching it week to week, maybe you right, would like it makes a, sense. a refresher. But if you're watching it in a day, just yeah. you just skip that. Um, so like it's a short enough season that if you want to mainline it and you have like a day where you're just, you know doing invoicing or folding laundry or you know various things like that then you totally can mainline a season um so there's there's already that the structure of the show and the size of the show is such that i think it lends itself to 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 mainlining um but um it has it not only are these people who who are on the show on the whole incredibly talented and interesting people the the dynamics as you're saying between the different styles of drag and 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 what the things that kept popping up and bubbling up socioeconomically and culturally within the show was completely fascinating to me so um just even looking at certain like the way that in general unless they're a particularly impressive queen there's so much size and body shaming um on in the different some of the different camps like the, especially i was seeing this and maybe it's just who was on the show and who and like which personalities the different queens wanted to give themselves to stick out like if they were going to be bitchy and throw a lot of shade or if they uh like depending on what persona they wanted but it seemed like the, a lot especially of the younger fishier queens would be giving the the older queens or the bigger queens a much harder time yeah. uh, with a lot of shaming like that. I also noticed consistently in several of the seasons that I watched, the if it was a prim- primarily white cast, the queens of color were getting picked last in challenges regularly. And I don't know how much of that is personality and fluke and how much of that really isn't. But there were these really really interesting dynamics that kept playing up uh popping up for me and watching i watched episode uh, seasons four five and six in order then i jumped to eight and then the most recent the most recent one yeah and then i went back and i started on seven um and so like so i'm like halfway through seven but i already know who wins because of cultural osmosis and stuff um but i thought it was really um like for me it was just so easy to go to the next, to the next, to the next, that, that I was actually impressed with the way that certain challenges were, would pop up every season, and I was so excited for them. So I, w- I enjoyed the Snatch Game every season, even... Right, no, Snatch Game is... I'm always game for Snatch Game, because that was incredible. Well, and you know that when Snatch Game comes, the next episode, they're going to have the reading challenge, and the library right. would be... Out, like So like that when I would see that Snatch Game was up, I would be excited for that one, and then for the next right. episode as well, and... um. Because they were just, I was surprised by how sturdy, for me at least, the the, the structure of of the of the challenges and and of the season t- turned out to be. Because you knew there'd be the snatch game episode, you knew there would be the makeover episode, um, you knew there would be the reading challenge, you knew there would be the ball where they each have to do three looks, and right, yet the puppets, the puppets, because everyone loves puppets. Um, so for just as a, on a TV reality show basis, I thought it was impressive the number of of like signature kind of challenges that uh, RuPaul managed to bring back every season. And at least for me, um, 
have them have me be excited for them each time they popped up rather than getting tired of them. Uh, I thought that was impressive, but also just the amount of the yes, certain things become very familiar after a while, but other but for me the dynamic between the queens meant it shifted enough between seasons yeah. that I still am excited to to finish watching season seven and then I'm going to go back to season three. <laughs> so, um, and I look for, I mean, I, uh, after I'm more familiar, if I go back and do two and one, then I'll probably do the first all stars, which I won't do right now because I don't know enough of the Queens that would be on that. So, um, but yeah, for me, yeah. I just thought so much of like, you take a group of, of, of people who already come from marginalized groups of, of society. And then I was really intrigued with especially in um like season four and some of the other seasons how many there people were there who come from poor backgrounds lower socioeconomic class and then there are other seasons where there was you could like people wearing couture gowns and things which is clearly not from that background but i was surprised by because drag is expensive to do it's got to be yes yeah, so, it's it's expensive, and in some cases, as what one of the other things I liked about this show was that it doesn't hide the labor involved. Even if it's just makeup, there's still seamstress uh, sewing aspects to it, which is highly skill intensive, as we you see, especially in like season uh, six, where they make a very big deal of it. Yeah, and and just even showing the phases of of the makeup that they're doing. So when they're first painting and they have these like really bright colors, like what are you doing painting half your face orange? It's like, Oh no, no, no. Cause that's only the base coat. And then there's going to be another coat right. and another coat and another coat. Um, so that was really very interesting. But what, you take these people who are already in marginalized groups and then they do decide to do this even more specialized art form of drag and that puts them into an even smaller group so they're they're gonna have stories because they're gonna have been through some shit and so it was very consistently very compelling yeah no the personals and i like that this show doesn't overly milk those personal stories either yeah um they're they're there they're a part of who these people are and they're part of like their approach to drag in some cases and that all informs them as performers and as people, but it doesn't overpower the show or doesn't overpower like a particular episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone discusses being HIV positive, um, it's celebrated within a narrative of uh, obtaining confidence and cur- courage, but it's not the driving force behind the episode. They're not given extra time in the edit or anything like that. It's just this is how this all works, and these are aspects that of their lives that are probably fairly common, depending on again going back to your point about class and socioeconomic standards, but also just regional issues as well, like how accepting and what kind of community, gay community, there exists within the city that they're 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 living and performing, and also makes just a huge difference in all sorts of things that they Mm -hmm. have to do and have to survive with. Yeah. Well, and there's just, again, the, the, the through line of RuPaul's drag race is 100% love and self-acceptance. Yes. And being fabulous and being amazing. Yes. But I I love it. Just, there's such a genuine palpable thread of that through everything on the show. Yeah. Yes. They're going to be critical. Yes. That's their job. But, it always comes from a sense of 
believing in these contestants and in their abilities and what they can do and what they can be. There's never a sense that they're putting these girls down or these women down or, or you know, these men, depending on how they want to define. Right. Um, yeah. There's never a sense of putting them down to be cruel, even if they're using harsh language. And, and when in the end, at the end of the day, even the people who on the show really get on each other's nerves and you could tell really just don't like each other very much. There's still a bond of sisterhood throughout that as soon as you see an external per, uh, person come into, like, for example, in the, I was, is it season four, season five, where they have the straight guy makeover challenge and the one guy's being a dick. Um, and the first thing the, the person says is don't make fun of my, don't call my sister that. Even I think though, it's in season six. Is that season six? Okay. Yeah. Don't. Was it the really macho, older-looking fellow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's season six. That's season yeah. six? Okay. Um, yeah, just sense of, okay, I might really not like this person, but you don't get to talk about them because we are still connected in a way that you could never understand because we've both been through so much four. stuff. It was four. It was season four, four, actually. Yeah. yeah. Either way. But yeah, your point's well taken. Um, and yeah, I think that that was the one that just gets back to your point about Eh, this is very much a community aspect, even if there are divisions within it. Um, and just an understanding of we've all been through this. And while we may have strong disagreements about how you perform this and how you represent this, we all get it. And I think that's a really significant point to make. And it's something that doesn't necessarily get expressed in a lot of other competition shows like this, mm -hmm. where it's just like, oh, you have a different way of cooking and it's bad and it's out of style. And you're a horrible person. Why haven't you gotten up with the times? And while that's, this is, feels more separated sometimes from the personal and the professional, if you want to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really significant as well. Even if, as I tweeted to you and um, Elena at some point, I just wanted some of these women, some of these folks to be in a large tent in the English countryside. Just to, <laughs> just to take a breather. Just yeah. take a little breather. Just, let's all just bake some cookies and or a nice cake or baked Alaska mm -hmm. and let's just let's just breathe for a minute but in heels but in yeah. heels yeah of course <laughs> of course um the other thing I think I feel like we should mention are some of the we'll, we'll talk about our favorite queens but uh quickly so uh, the some of the judging and the di different challenges I love um I mean Shantae's stay and sashay away is a fabulous uh, waited to send away the, the contestants. Um, I really love that even when they're being eliminated, even if they've not done well, there's always goodbye and you're still wonderful yeah. as, as the contestants leave. But also, don't fuck it up. I, yes. I, I love it so much. Just like It's that's so much what... better than make it work. Oh, I it's mean, why so would much you better. Use, why would you use anything else? <laughs> <laughs> and I also came to really, really enjoy Michelle, Michelle Visage um, and even some of the, the other judges that like Santino and, and, um, um, Carson and, uh, oh my goodness, Matthew Ross, I want to say the other regular judges that were popping up. I also really enjoy the, the guest judges they have on overwhelmingly are on basically cause they love the show and that's yes, fun too. They're just fans of the show that wanted to be on, which is great. Yeah. How did you feel about the judging? Um, I like the judging all right. I really, I really like tuned in on Miss uh, Michelle pretty quickly. Santino, I can take or leave, but it mm. was also just because I could take or leave Santino when he was on Project Runway. So I was yeah. just like, I was just like, I, I don't, 
know exactly why you, I I know why you're here, Santino. I don't really care about your input though. Yeah. Well, and I love that like Rue doesn't necessarily care about their input either because no, it's no. not a democracy. Right. No, it's it's a drag democracy. <laughs> and um, so I really and. I really, most of what Michelle would say, I would largely tend to agree with. But I liked how the fact where we're talking about judging and structure is that Michelle was very much like the harsh one for a lot of, for most of the judging. And then Santino, not necessarily softer, but would be a little less enthused or a little less directly harsh Mm-hmm. with the judging but rupaul herself would never really like get too involved with the skirmishes between basically her advisors yeah when she's making a decision when she's going to make a decision it was she'll toss in some input she may offer a compliment or a small critique but mostly she's just sitting back and listening which i found really interesting as well can we talk about how she always faces forward and does not look at anybody when they're oh, speaking? Oh, God. And Michelle okay. pretty much does the same thing, too. I love it so much. See, that was that was one of the things that was driving me nuts, is not necessarily looking forward or addressing each other, but when they do the when they do RuPaul's big intro, and she's just doing eyeline to the camera that's in front of her, mm-hmm. as opposed to the... But the judges are, like, at an angle off to the side, mm-hmm. so their eyelines are going... <laughs> <laughs> to one angle, but yeah. her eyeline are going like straight ahead, and it was driving me up the wall for like three or four episodes until they showed where the judges were sitting. Mm-hmm. I just went, "Oh, thank God!" So RuPaul's just not being ridiculous. It's just they're really dead set on camera A for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the editor in me was just like, "Why are these eyelines not matching up? It's driving me up the wall." <laughs> But after that, I was fine. It was still bothering me, but I was I was better because I knew where everything was. At that point. Fair enough. Um, do you have a favorite season or favorite challenges or favorite contestants? Um, I I I really liked Jinx in um, season five. Um, I really liked what she was doing. I really liked her approaches. Um, and so I was really keying in on her for a lot of it and i was really happy that she won i didn't know that she had won um so i was really really happy about that um and i just seemed to pick the winners actually because i really mm-hmm. like bianca as well a lot yeah. um also in part because like i was saying with jinx but also with bianca is that both of them are represent represent styles of drag that i'm the most familiar with um so plus hey insult comic in drag how am i not going to like that but at the same time, one of the big things, and I really, really loved season six. Um, season four was really boring. Um, <laughs> but season six, I loved Bianca basically becoming a hard mom, basically, to everyone. And it epitomized a lot of like the compassion and we're all into this together type of approach that we, you and I had just been discussing. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I also really liked Adore after a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which ke- took me a little while to get used to. Um, but, um, yeah, I really liked Adore as well. But season four was just really boring and I struggled mightily to care about anything that happened in that season. That's interesting. I was big, I, I enjoyed season four and had trouble with season five. 
so and then I then I enjoyed season six um, and eight a lot uh, with with seasons. I mean, with Bianca, it's just she she is not the most glamorous of the queens and she always uses the same hair very similar hair and similar right. dress constantly yeah. but i love her because she's super funny and yes. she's always right yes <laughs> everything she says and as soon as she notices that someone is trying and yeah. is listening she will help them and she, her, she, all of her critiques, she doesn't cut down just to cut down. She yeah. will throw serious shade, but she's always right. And she will help you fix it if you ask her. Yes. And she will be super proud of you if you care and if, if you are willing to ask. Um, and so, like, seeing that maternal side, like you were saying, of her really come out and grow, it's like... That's that's what we all want in in a friend or in a surrogate mother or in any of those things is someone who's gonna call it like it is and is not gonna bullshit you, but then will help you be your best self. So I that was super fun. I mean, and I also really enjoyed. I mean, season four wasn't uh, big for you, but I really enjoyed um, both um, Chad Michaels and and Sharon Needles in season four. So for me, that kind yeah. of who's gonna get it tension was 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 a lot of fun uh any anyone else you want to mention no i did like sharon's approach a lot um Mm -hmm. but at the same time it just felt like what sharon was wanting to do was largely limited by the challenges in a lot of instances which like when i when on the reunion show for season five which had alaska um so when she's in this very this peewee herman outfit for the reunion show it was just like this is clearly what that clearly what um sharon is really about which is this very pop culture sort of driven approach um deconstruction type of thing which i don't think the show necessarily wanted wanted to directly engage in the same way like um the older queen from the club scene um i want to say like four vivacious or something but that's vivacious not... right i think so i think you're something right. like that yeah uh, um which was an aspect of drag that i was familiar with from paris is burning but hadn't really seen because i don't go to clubs let alone mm-hmm. clubs in new york i hadn't really seen outside of that film so i was really really engaged when she showed up and came out in that like latex spike outfit or whatever it was but mm-hmm. just spikes everywhere and it was really really interesting because it was a very old type of drag that deals with gender in a very very specific way as opposed to this kind of more third wave sort of approach and i was really fascinated to see how that was going to play out but she got eliminated immediately mm-hmm. i just went Ugh. but i also think like i was saying with sharon is that that style of drag just would not have survived on this show. Yeah, this is a show that rewards fishy drag a lot. Yes, and and comic drag. drag. Yeah, yeah. And, co- and comedy and, and fish, and that's mostly it. Um, right. And glamour. Uh, but um, I tend to get really frustrated with some of the less experienced uh, drag. I'm mean, like, I, I like. How do you like? You're, so this is something that Rue has said. How do you go on this show and not know how to sew? And not have, like, taken a couple dance classes. How do you realize, I'm going to be on RuPaul's Drag Race, and you don't 
pick up, up a, a few basic things. I just don't get, like, I shouldn't be watching RuPaul's Drag Race and I'm more familiar with drag icons than, than the contestants. The notion that nobody had heard of Little Edie, who's not a drag icon, understandably, but still. Or, the, like, so, just some of these cultural blind spots that the younger queens had and they seemed to not care that they had was really galling to me like i know nothing about this stuff i shouldn't know more than the contestants on the show (laughs) right no like we you and i had both tweeted about the little edie thing because that just struck me as bizarre um just in part because i figured that the sheer campness like have you seen gray gardens because since have you i i haven't even seen gray gardens but i still know who little edie is right no because little edie and big edie are just like to me like their in gray gardens especially just their whole aesthetic just feeds into this idea of camp Mm -hmm. in a lot of interesting ways which uh, i'm sure is why like jinx picked it in a lot of ways just because little Edie is just pure camp on a stick sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, her performance is not really an exaggeration of how little Edie is represented in that film. Just mm-hmm. letting you know. Like, mm-hmm. A, you should watch it, but B, it's not an exaggeration. It's very much just little Edie, mm-hmm. um, which is why it was so great. But I was, like you said, I was just really surprised by these sort of weird pop culture pop- touchstones that. I would have thought would have been much more prevalent. And then maybe those are just my assumptions coming into play, but yeah. 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 Well, and of course these, these Queens who come on who don't know any of this stuff, they still look fabulous. They still look amazing, but I'm always, I always appreciate when Rue does like a, okay, sit down. We're going to have a history lesson. Um, Because clearly some of the Queens who come on the show either are playing that up or they need it. And come on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I tend to root for the more experienced queens uh, Yeah, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and just kind of been like, mm, have a little more respect for your elders. Right. Yeah, and I, I'll just freely say that, like, the the fishier approach to drag isn't something I immediately responded to. So, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I can't re- Oh, um, Caught in the Act, Courtney Act. Courtney Act, yeah. Um, wasn't, like... A, the reliance on the body just drove me up the wall. It's just like, a bikini is not couture, dear. Yeah. Stop using it. Yeah. I get it. You look great. I'm yeah. not denying that. No one's denying that. Put mm. on a dress. <laughs> <laughs> show well, show something else. And she kept pulling, doing a really good job on like the few weeks that she could have gone home. You know, she kept like just just when it was time for her to get eliminated, she'd pull out one re- like somebody else would yeah. screw up more. Like yeah. she managed to like make it way further than she should have. A lot more talented yes. or, or not yeah. talented, better as far as I'm concerned. Queens got eliminated before she did. Um, but yeah, and there's also for me the issue of like there's just the race thing and and the representations of race on the show. I have found at times to be problematic i guess is a safe word to say but things just like every time there's a character to play in a scene that's ghetto okay let's find the one person of color on their team and they're definitely playing that role that kind of stuff um so i was very very happy to see uh, i guess spoiler no the top four uh, uh and i think it was top four in um season eight are all people of color i was just super enthused about that and um i i also appreciate the seasons where there's a wider, just more diversity in general of body type right. and of drag type of, of age of all of that stuff. Yeah. Any final thoughts on RuPaul's Drag Race? 
No, but um, thank you for thank you for making me watch this. This was this was a lot of fun, and I, whether or not I have time to go back and watch some of the other seasons, we'll see. But mm-hmm. well, I'm at least going to keep up with All Stars yeah. for us, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. And because of this, we know like half that cast. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was just fun to like to get caught up on a lot of lingo that has become really part of the popular vernacular. Like yeah. when we started having talk about the, the hundred this year and, and I started diving into Klexa fandom and a lot of just the fallout from everything that happened on the hundred earlier this, this TV year. Um, I'm like, everybody's talking about throwing shade. This is a terminology I'm unfamiliar with. And um, like, just and like, just like the, all tea, no shade, and on... I didn't know tea. Like, I had to look yeah. that up, because I didn't know tea. I knew shade, because, I mm-hmm. mean, throwing shade is something I'm intimately familiar with, but I didn't know tea. <laughs> I had to look that up, because I had no clue. Yeah. I, I had picked these things up, but it was really nice to see, oh, this is where it's from. This, <laughs> this subculture is where it's from, and it's just not right. getting... Any... Or, like, the new match game come, being made more popular now when RuPaul was doing it way before. Right, um, right. Yeah. and... This that whole aspect, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that like that whole aspect gets into a larger sense of appro- uh, appropriation within mainstream culture that mm-hmm. starts with drag. And if you when you watch Paris is Burning, they address this because voguing that Madonna popularized is directly taken from yeah. drag ballroom competitions. And th- there's a large there's a nice section of the film that deals with how people respond to the fact that this nice white lady just stole this. Yeah. And that a drag queen that was very popular in the New York club scene basically just took it and gave it to her, more or less. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Just, yeah, it's a part of a larger type of appropriation that I think is really interesting. Um, and something else to think about while we're watching the show. Absolutely. I, well, I look forward to to spending more time with uh, All Stars, as we mentioned earlier in, in the uh, in the episode here, here right. today. But we should get on. We've just spent way too long on, on Drag Race. Let's talk about our next we'll show. We'll spend less time on this, <laughs> I imagine. go ahead and so what did you make me watch introduce Um, this one so i made you watch a sadly canceled um well i don't know that it ever got officially canceled it just it's not it's not gonna have any more seasons (laughs) um two season anime of called chihaya furu um which is a blend of sports anime of shoujo um targeted anime 
and we can get into those terms and I can give quick definitions if they're warranted. And basically, high school students play a really obscure card game that even the Japanese, after, after a certain point, think is a little weird. Um, <laughs> and But basically, it's based on 100 Poets, which is this collection of Japanese poetry, which is beautiful in translation as well. And um, it's kind of a weird mix of concentration and flat, fast reflexes and just all this sort of stuff with really bizarre rules about sending cards and swiping cards really quickly while people are reading poetry in a certain rhythm and just all this fun stuff. But in between all of this is things about self-confidence, romance, and it's also great and it gives me all of the feels. And Kate, I need to know if it gave you feels because otherwise I'm just going to cry. <laughs> you don't want me to cry. But no, so this was one of my favorite shows. I've watched it now three times all through. This was my third time watching it all the way through to reprep for this. And I was so glad I made you watch this because I, I, I realized that I kind of wanted to watch this again. So how did you feel about this? How familiar were you with... I know you've watched some anime, both for the podcast, but also just in general. But how familiar were you with like this sort of this operating within this genre? Because I don't know how much like romance aspect of manga or anime that you were familiar with. So when Rose Petal started encircling people, were you kind of confused? <laughs> or, um, so yeah, no, just tell me how you were feeling about it and the stuff that you watched. Because I'm really, really interested to hear how you felt about the show. Well, I have read no manga. And okay. uh, I've seen, as listeners are well aware, very little anime um, sure. and nothing in this genre at okay. all. So like no sports and like all the anime I've seen has involved robots and or spaceships and uh, or superpowers of some sort. Okay. Um, I think without or, or at the very least a post-apocalyptic wasteland setting. Like, sure. like some. You've seen a lot of science fiction anime, basically. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. and Nodame Cantabile. I've seen some Nodame right. Cantabile, which has none of that and is much more normal. Uh, but but still, just the beats and the rhythms of, of this were very familiar to me from probably just seeing other things that have been inspired by anime. So I yeah. felt I was really comfortable watching it. I ended up, uh, I did get the feels, a lot of the feels, uh, like almost Yay! immediately watching the first season of it. And I think the, you know, there's a lot of stuff, that, especially the first season, I think does really well in its very beginning episodes, introducing the characters and then jumping into the past for several episodes was so smart and really grounded the series. Um, I ended up liking the, sh the show, but not loving it. And I think that's, large in large part due to the way that I watched it which mm -hmm. was like in an insane marathon over mm -hmm. two days yeah um, and that's because I misread Crunchyroll and I thought there were 25 episodes I told you there were 52 50. yeah <laughs> but that was like I had forgotten that by the time that I got like I started to watch it so I, I, I downloaded the app with plant like like uh, like over a week before, uh, like or two weeks before something we were, we needed to record. Um, and I looked at the show and I saw 20, like it just said there are 25. I was like, Oh, I thought oh, I must've misheard it. I got what he, what, what Noel said there's 25. Okay. That should be no trouble to do that in like two, three days. There should be fine. That I didn't realize that they had listed the second season as like a different show. Yeah. So that was on me. Um, That's, so <laughs> no, I should have told you. I apologize. No, no, no. So, no, this this is all me. I should do my research. But, but what that meant is that I ended up watching. Like I was like, oh shit. Let's spend like an entire like 
seriously like 15 hours on one day just watching back to back to back to back with the same five ads Noel the same like five ads in every ad break I no given you, I should have given you my account because I paid, <laughs> I I just went ahead and paid for an account so I wouldn't have to sit through the ads yeah uh. I yeah the, uh, it's just it's, it's a problem that all, all streaming yeah. content sites seem to have they don't change up the ads in a meaningful way anyways i i know way too much about certain video games that i'm not gonna buy when they come out soon but what that meant for me was that um i i it was i think i would have liked it a lot more if i had been able to watch it like one a week or one every day or one every other day yeah. because there is a lot of repetition where they're like recapping what had happened in the previous episode or like remembering something from the beginning of the season which totally makes sense for the way it was intended to be viewed right I, and also just from a budget standpoint because that's just yeah them being cheap <laughs> yeah but it's like I, like I totally get it and like if i were watching it the way that it was designed to be watched that would not so that one that's on me that's i don't think that's really on them i think that's more on me but um i did also feel a bit of a lag in the middle of the season season one and also season two but that could have also just been that i was tired because i've been watching it all day and i needed to like move around right. Um, but, but I think they did a really good job with the characters. Um, I, and I just assumed that this was not a real card game because I tried to Google it and nothing came up and, and event, and like, there was like some movie translate where the title translated as cult with that name. And that, and that was it. Um, eventually I added Japan sport and like two links came up on Google. So that tells you just how niche this this card game is but i love that it's, it's a real a Wikipedia thing page yeah apparently if you just google it the 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 name of the game it doesn't come up the wikipedia page at least for me did not come up. i ended up okay i needed to add a few other things for it to come up because other media that has this word in it okay, came up before came up that first. yeah anyways um but i as i anticipated this game is like right up my alley and super fun and like I can totally see this being something that I would have enjoyed when I had the time to devote to something like this. Like I was in Scholastic Bowl and all, all and you know did Envirothon and different like team educational like kind of stuff and based on speed and reflexes and all this stuff when I was in school. So it's something that does feel like it. You know, I don't know if I would have the acumen for it, but it feels like it was up my alley. So I enjoyed the the focus on the the design. And the, the accuracy to the game from the little research I did and watching, like, a couple games, a couple matches um, on YouTube. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the characters. The dynamic between the three leads um, really worked for me. Uh, the places where... And, and the attention to the background characters is also really lovely. And the, in very few scenes, somebody like Chihaya, uh, Chihaya uh, her mom only gets like a few moments really over the course of the two series but you get a very strong sense of the character and her relationship with her children in those few episodes that i think yeah. is really impressive um but for me because of the way i watched it and getting to the end and being like wait but there's no resolution at all oh my god come on come on guys I'm living with this for three years now <laughs> why do you have a show that you make so much? But I like the way that it 
Yeah, so, so like, they set up this love triangle as a significant part of the show. And then it, I mean, it is, but not in any satisfying way. Not in any way that leads to anything. But I really appreciated after, as I sat back, I sat back and realized, wait a second. Pretty much every anime I've ever seen has featured creepy shots of, uh, of upshots of, of young girls in short skirts and low-cut or non-existent shirts. And there's none of that in this. It's really there's wonderful. There's no fan service in this, apart from a little bit of stuff that we get with um, OA. Yeah. Um, and and you get, we get a love triangle with two guys and a girl, and the guy who... The girl is focused on this other guy who's not there, um, but she's also really good friends with this other guy who is there, um, and he's just bes- bes- uh, besotted with her, but he's always, he always does the right thing. He's never being petulant or anything like that. Like the maturity shown of these characters by these characters while still feeling accurate to their age and maturity and experience level in their lives is just really wonderful. So it does all of these, all of these really makes all these really interesting choices with yeah. its characters while still primarily being about the structure and rules and strategy of this <laughs> arcane game. It's really interesting. So um, while I, I didn't walk away loving it, sure. I, I really respect it. And I really, I certainly was getting hardcore feels um, from just like in a similar way to things like Steven Universe and Adventure Time where you're seeing, like I really loved all the episodes where we saw... Um, Oh my goodness! Um, what's her name? The one who loves the poetry? Oe Oe yeah. Oe san. Yeah. Oe san yeah. When Oe san is talking about the poetry and where and then she is like actually understanding what these things mean. I thought that was beautiful and the look at how parental approval and expectation on children and how that shapes them and there's so much subtlety to what these characters are experiencing. I would have preferred if Chihaya didn't need to learn the lesson about how Oe san reads the reads the poems and knows them and that is helps her i I wish she hadn't needed to learn that at least twice in the first season but um but it is a really lovely series and the kind of thing like i've I've never seen an anime like this so thank you so much for broadening my horizons and like i said like i do not worry i was feeling the feels hard core watching the show Ah, good. No, like, when I was rewatching it, like, it wasn't as intense, because I knew, like, how things were coming, but some things still, like, really hit hard. So, like, when Taichi, um, eats the spoon of cake after oh, she's yeah. getting off the phone with Arata, I still lose it, because it's such... Yeah. yeah. It's him finally being as assertive as he can be. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, so good. But then Chihaya's reaction where, God, anytime the show just gives her big eyes and a slightly confused face, mm-hmm. I just I, I just kind of melt a little bit. And other things like just the, the final episode of the series is just really gut-wrenching where she's finally writing poetry and Oe-san figures out what is wrong. Figures it all out. Like, everyone oh, yeah. else is just kind she's of like... She's so ahead. <laughs> she's so ahead of everyone. And she and so figuring it out and then going, you need to be better. And I just went, ah, God, where is season three of Oe-san sabotaging everyone else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that she can have her ship happen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and... I just, I really enjoy the show a lot. Um, I really like the sports, how it blends sports and this kind of romance. Um, 
but also how it emphasizes and contrasts this idea of togetherness through competi- through sports and competition. And like, there's no sportsmanship plays such a big part in this, but there's just this togetherness of the team challenges that comes through, especially within season two, where Shinobu, the queen, the reigning queen, is very much, well, what's the point of individual challenges? The cards are what matter. These are what matter. And, but no, it's the bonds and the connections that you forge through this and the reveal that um, Arata just goes back to that dingy apartment every time he plays a match. Yeah. And that's why he's so good. And that's why he's so calm during a match. And it's just like, no, the cards, the cards are nice. These are 100 new friends you've made, but it's the connections that you make through the game that ultimately matter. But that's why Shinobu is the way she is. This is that she has no other connections outside of the cards. And mm-hmm. it just becomes really sad. And she becomes this tragic figure who's brilliant at this game, but has nothing else to offer. Yeah. And she's like, imagine season three where she starts to learn how important these connections are. Yeah. Um, so sadly, I haven't read the anime, the manga, because it just hasn't been translated into English past like the second or third volume. So I have no idea how any of this goes, even though I desperately want to. <laughs> but well, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And the um, that element about teamwork and creating relationships and watching them, these characters learn to experience that and learn the value of that I think is really really great and and another one of these things where it's encouraging to think of kids watching this yeah you know and and learning from it and watching the characters mature and watching them have to weigh are you gonna sit here and support your teammates or are you gonna go watch this other match that will give you a glimpse at your competitor for the next thing so that you can be prepared, which way, like what's more important and watching them weigh their priorities. Cause at first it just seems like Chihaya, who's our main character is just very, very much obsessed with this game because she misses her friends. Right. And she, cause she doesn't, oh, the, the show, like this beauty in vain, this notion, of course she has to be gorgeous, but nobody, thinks of her being beautiful because then she'll talk and then people will, it's like, that's not how people work. That's yeah. not how it works, but okay, whatever. Um, uh, but this notion that she's very much by herself a lot and, and this is the only thing that she's understood that she's found really a connection to other people through. Yeah. Um, comes, comes across uh pal because at first it just feels like she's doing this for some guys, but you watch as that, develops over time and to know this is how she knows to connect with other people in general and then it turns into yes she loves this game but she that's because this is not just a game it's so much more it's understanding other people it's understanding herself and it is finding success for herself after spending much of her childhood focused entirely on her sister's success and her sister's fame um, and being able to carve out an identity for herself or something that makes her happy. There's so much, there's so much sadness throughout, throughout this series in the corners. And because yeah. of the focus and the lens of the show and where the character, we're seeing the character's perspective, it never feels really weighed down by that. But I mean, you've got one character who f- feels abandoned basically by her her family because they're spending all of their energy on the other sister starting her modeling ca- career and then acting and singing and or, acting yeah, yeah all that yeah. 
And then you've got another main character who uh, is the number one student in school and is attractive and um, and is very good at this game. But parents, the mom says, Mrs. Oh, Pressure, you did very well, but you weren't first. And so there's no point in doing anything if you can't be the absolute best. So you should just not waste your time on this and i can't oh you got second place i now i can't even tell your father about this like this kind of like this downright abusive relationship between the uh, that this this kid has with his at least his mom if not both of his parents which hints towards a very strained relationship between the two parents you never right. see the two parents together either um so very unhappy home life though he's rich and has a lot of other opportunities he, and he's very the sh- I should emphasize how rich he is mm-hmm. because he's very, very rich. Like the show makes a little bit deal of it, but he's very, very, his family's very well off given the size of the house that would be in Tokyo. He's yeah. very rich. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the, the, the guy, the other main character who's, um, fa- who's like, has, he has to move, move, has to move back out to the country um, because of the failing health of his grandfather and they and has doesn't really have any friends or is just barely talks when he's in Tokyo until he makes his connections through this game and then goes back out to I assume the boonies uh, from what they were saying more or less yeah. yeah yeah and has like very few friends if any out there and is not doing anything with his time besides working at a bookshop and the one time he goes to do something for himself, his grandfather like has a severe medical fault, you know, Stroke. fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and all, and there's a strained relationship between his, his, his dad and his grandfather. Like, so there's a lot of really unhappy stuff going on in the, in the backgrounds, but, and it shapes who these people are, but it doesn't define them either. And because we're th- through the character, these characters points of view, the show is actually really positive and supportive and all this stuff is there, but there's very much an awareness from the writers that these experiences that these people are having are shaping who they are. Um, so I, I'm, I'm saying all of these wonderful things and I'm still like, yeah, like B plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned side characters. Um, so um, apart from like our main team, uh, were there any of the other like side characters that really stood out to you? So like, did you enjoy Pseudo the Sadist or um, Retro Coon, whose name was done through a translation because in the actual to make the tarot card pun make sense, they changed his nickname in the subtitles because the actual translation for what's spoken is just to emphasize how tall and lanky he is. Mm-hmm. Not to do anything with his very kind of retro style bowl cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, or like any of the other teams that they encountered in like the team competition, which is where you get a lot of the fun character variety that I really enjoy because I really like the team arc arcs of the seasons much more than I like some of the individual challenges because those can get a little repetitive. Uh, so did, did any of those characters really stand out to you in any way? Or Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really yeah. enjoyed the recurring figures. And I, that it's mm-hmm. something that really lends to the world. Because yeah. they're doing such a niche thing, it makes sense that you see the same faces popping up at each tournament. Yeah. It makes sense that you're experiencing that. I mean, I had a, a, like a small taste of that when I was doing... Uh, skull balls, plastic bowl in in high school where you go to certain matches and there's only so many people from each school. There's only so many schools in your district or right. meet or whatever, and there's only so many people at those schools who are doing it. So so like, I didn't know them. These other people who would pop up, but like you'd be like, oh, there's that team that always wears some white shirts. There's the team that you know, like uh, you know, you recognize certain people. And I'm sure if I um, like, I'm sure there are a lot of communities that are like that. Where especially, I mean, 
I the the level of competitiveness that we see here is very foreign to me. This notion of like spying on other teams and like being obsessed with everyone else's stats and the this is a show where every character is obsessed with winning. Yes. To, to the point but where But not like, to a detriment either though. Yeah, but they never they it's I really appreciated when they started having characters say, I lost, but it was still really fun. Because what they yeah. have, what happened for a long time was it was only ever the characters who won the game saying, thank you, this was really fun. Yeah. And the characters who lost the games weren't the ones saying that. So I really appreciated when we started to get Chihaya lose some, some close matches, but still say it was really fun. I thought that was really a significant thing to have happen. But, um, but no, I mean... I think that really, again, it, it highlights how small and niche the world is while also making it feel very lived in and, and just having it make sense. And watching those characters grow off screen and then then come back in, I thought um, was was really a, a very a very smart approach because it, it lets it emphasizes the way our characters have changed over time and how and it lets these same familiar voices come in and be like interact in a different way that shows new things so i thought it was just the whole world of it was very well structured good i'm i'm really glad um i guess my last question then is do you want more recommendations for stuff in this vein um i mean right now i'm so behind on no no no, i know like right now but but... in general yeah sure absolutely and and i i think i think any of our listeners who have who enjoy anime and haven't or enjoy obscure sports, uh, and ha- who haven't seen this should absolutely seek it out. I mean, it's it's right there on Crunchyroll, so yeah. just don't watch all watch of it in one day. Fi- yeah, so, or make sure that you space out watching the same five ads. So that way, just, yeah, just, just don't watch it yeah. all in one day so you don't have to, not so that you don't have to watch the whole thing, but so that you don't have to see the same ads. <laughs> but, but no, I think, uh, I think there's a lot to really enjoy about it. And again, for me, just seeing the, the structure and the form of anime and the the way that anime embraces emotion and oh and prioritizes emotion over visual reality uh is something that i love and it's something that we see reflected in stuff in shows like steven universe which we were talking about earlier um and and in plenty of other shows that's it's really for me that's the hallmark of it the way that all of a sudden there'll be purple waves coming off of a character or Half, you know, they'll be like, there you can't see their eyes. Their hair completely covers their eyes, even though like two seconds ago it didn't at all because of how the characters are feeling. That that flexibility with the visuals to emphasize emotion over visual reality is something that I that I love about anime, and is certainly you know also paired with a lot of the times just gorgeous visuals and i should also mention i really appreciate it in the second season the musical theme that goes throughout that is drawn from the shostakovich name theme um Mm -hmm. that is i usually am very leery of quotes of intentional or otherwise because sometimes it feels like it's not intentional i'm looking at you doctor who movie i'm still angry about the doctor who tv movie from the 90s using the shostakovich name theme um anyways uh in a way that felt appropriate and connected to to this this larger meaning of this theme musical theme and um while still like having enough like it felt it felt like a a worthy use of it as opposed to a cheap use of it the way that many other shows have done sure. so yeah good music good lovely visuals good voice work 
um, that very affecting voice work, and mm-hmm. despite not speaking the language for me, right? And but sometimes that just transcends. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Thank you yeah. for watching it. Of course, thank <laughs> you for recommending it for me. This was a. This is a. It's always a fun make you watch a thon, but this was a nice change of pace for for us. Re- reality and anime. That's certainly something we haven't done before here uh, at the Make You Watch Thon. Well, that will wrap up this episode of the Televerse, our five year anniversary. If you show notes, you can find a post up for the for this episode at theteleverse.org, our website. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, like the page, and start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. Um, and we would appreciate ratings or reviews. It's been a while. It's been like, I, I want to say like a year since our last rating or our last review. We've got like one rating. Maybe, you know, happy birthday to Televerse. Have a rating review. Maybe, maybe. Please. Um, and if you listen on Stitcher, there aren't a lot of you. So... If you, whoever's <laughs> the people who are listening on Stitcher, please give us a rating or review because if you're waiting for someone else to do it, there's not a lot of you. So it's a small group. That's just, a, you know, if you, if you don't watch it, then obviously don't, but it would be nice. Anyways, um, you can also, of course, find both of us on, on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are at Noel RK. Um, and thank you again, Noel, for being such a wonderful partner and helping the Televerse continue into the sixth year. And thank you for inviting me to help. I really, I've, I've had a lot of fun in, God, six months, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. No, more than that. We're no, because I started eight. in December. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, and we're at the end of eight, so yeah. Oh, yeah, we are at the end. I still think it's July, so. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, it's been a week. It's been a week. <laughs> it has, it has indeed. Well, thank you all for listening, um, and we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. <laughs>